1: You're listening to the best of Rob Black and your money on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW.
2: Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and much, much more. From time to time, I like to slow things down and talk personal finance. You know, the topics on this show range, typically, how's the stock market doing today? How much money is Rob Black making? I'm very confident in the stock market. It's capitalism. I'm confident in the next 40 years. Without it, I'm screwed. Without it, you're screwed. You're going to work from age 20 to 60, and what are you going to do for income? It's a theme that continues to resonate again and again on the show. I'll throw out some basic concepts like buy art from dead people, not art from living So, people. let's take a look at some of the big stories of the day, money invested in much, much more. Remember, this is a show dedicated to getting your retirement. Its main and primary goal is a little bit of news and education, but uh, some insights. What's worked for me and what's, what's going to work in the future. I'm not always going to be right. Taking a quick look at the market numbers this morning. A little rusty on a Monday. we got the Dow down 15, the Nasdaq down 18, the S&P 500 down 5. Everything's down. The euro is trading lower, the 10-year treasury is trading higher, which actually means it's a flight to safety. It's down. The yield's down because so many people are buying. Um, Gold sitting at 16.55 an ounce and oil down to $104 a barrel, down 82 cents. U.S. spending slows while income rises. That's a good headline. The bad headline of the day that's pushing the markets right now is uh, basically Spain is entering a recession. No one likes the word recession. It's a lot like maybe the dreaded N-word. Maybe the dreaded, you know, S-bomb. No one likes it. It makes people feel uncomfortable. Recessions are normal. Recessions are healthy but uh no one seems to like them so uh stocks are slightly lower this morning european markets mainly lower based on concerns in spain the spanish government said their uh, their country's economy shrank roughly three tenths of a percent in the first three months of the year second straight three-month period of contraction which technically is the recession it's the second recession in three years for spain europe is a long way off from fixing itself they are trying to figure out measures on how much they tax, measures about how much they collect, how much they spend. So there's some issues there. Weird headline this morning. Microsoft is investing 300 million dollars in a Barnes Noble spin-off company said that they're going to explore separating businesses entirely. It's a subsidiary that will house the digital and college businesses of the bookseller. It'll include a Nook application for Windows 8. The deal gives Barnes Noble ammunition to fend off shareholders who have been agitated for sale of the Nook business or the whole company. So that's one of those headlines that you're like, eh, you're up with it. Barnes & Noble stocks up 60% today on a Nook pact with Microsoft. Maybe the idea is that maybe Microsoft buys the whole whole damn company down the road, maybe, or you know, that spinoff. Hmm, Tea Party congressmen accepted cash from bailed out bankers. Are, are, are politicians really that stupid? Tea Party favorites such as Stephen Fincher of Tennessee were swept into a congress on a wave of anger over government-funded bailouts of banks. Now, him and other incumbents are collecting thousands of dollars for re-election campaigns from the same Wall Street firms whose successes they criticize. They've taken no significant steps to curb them or prevent future taxpayer finance rescues. So that's a pretty negative headline out there this morning. Stocks are declining this morning. Spain is entering into a recession. Some other stories out there that I hinted at, consumer spending in the U.S. increases as incomes rises. Jobs in America are the number one driver of the stock market because Americans spend our paychecks. Consumer spending in the U.S. climbed after the biggest gain since August 2009 in consumer spending and incomes picked up, which is indicating the biggest part of the economy will help sustain the expansion. Household purchases are about 70% of our economy, and they increased three-tenths of a percent after revised nine-tenths of a percent gain the prior month. So that's pretty good, pretty good back-to-back numbers. A job market that's on the mend in warmer weather. East Coast weather does help drive spending. The West Coast, we've got nice, calm, rainy season, wet season. Rainy season, wet season. The East Coast, it's a little bit more of, a, you know, the summer you have to have shorts. Fall, you start buying your sweaters. Winter, you get your winter jacket. So it's, the weather really does drive spending there a lot differently than here. A job market that's on the mend. That's you know, a good phrase to hear. Projections from consumer sp- uh, spending really ranged. What was kind of nice inside the numbers is the income numbers have improved. You know, expectations job growth does increase gradually going forward, but we also want to see the income go with it. So that's a nice number. I'm not gonna say let's congratulations, let's let's have a party or anything like that, but it's 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 a nice number. Other big stories of note this morning, things that we're paying attention to, include but are not limited to. Chicago Purchasing Managers Index Falls. This is one of those economic data points that comes out. And it's very regional. You know, you got Chicago, you got New York, you got the Philadelphia area. But business activity in the U.S. expanded in April, the slowest pace since November 2009. So some data this morning, we're getting consumer spending, consumer incomes higher. And then you see this, and you're like, oh, that's not so good. You know, it's still a pretty good expansion. Reading's greater than 50 signal growth, and we came in at a 56.2. So it's good. It just isn't as good as it could have been. You know, the Manufacturing could slow a notch and we'll still be okay. Manufacturers tend to match their inventory with demand. So, of course, you don't want too much of a slowdown. But when there is a pickup, that's when you bring people back to work and you have them work longer hours and they get paid more money. Other stories of note, Dell says the XPS 13 Ultrabook is selling well above expectations. I don't believe it. Like, it's not so much that I don't believe it. It's, been, it's just been so long since Dell was an important player in technology or in, in stocks so yeah, ultrabooks are cute and they're nice. And maybe it's because I'm, I'm skewed or biased because of Apple. Could be. One World Trade Center may take over as the king of the big Apple skyline. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but uh, New York's been rebuilt since 9-11. So that whole Freedom Plaza is going up pretty fast. If you haven't, take a look. Uh, There's a lot of cool slideshows on the internet showing you how fast these things went up. The number of spam text messages rose 45% last year to 4.5 billion. If you elect me president, I will put to death any child pedophiles. If you elect me president, I will put to death any email or text spammers. I know you're saying that's a great platform. I know. And I'll get paid a buck to do it. So mobile spam, that's just, I'm going to be honest with you. I got on someone's spam list, and I think it's kind of funny. Like, if you really dislike a work associate, get their email and put them on some, like, just crazy email lists. Like, really bad ones, and you know what I'm saying when I say really bad ones. Uh, The number of text messages coming in, it's so unwelcome, and it needs to stop. They've been clogging email inboxes for two decades, emails. Now they've made that jump to handsets. I get, you know, a, a Viagra company. How they know that I eat bottles and bottles of Viagra? I don't know. Maybe they looked at my phone. The cost for spammers are extremely low. Unlimited text messaging for prepaid phones are about 20 bucks a month. And you can spam millions of people. For wireless customers who don't have a texting plan, the cost of receiving constant spam adds up and you're paying for it. Typically, the spam message promises like a free iPad, something too good to be true. you listen to AM 1220, KDOW. I'm Rob Black.
1: Where investors rule. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money. On AM 1220, KDOW.
2: So it is important to note, there's a lot of problems in America. There's a lot of good. There's also a lot of bad. Right now we got the Dow down 7, the NASDAQ down 17, the S&P 500 down 5. we got the euro sitting tick slower. I expect that Europe is going to play out very slowly with their issues before they start talking about growth a lot like the problems in the United States, it doesn't fix itself immediately. Real estate was a problem in 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011. Some people say it's now starting to get better, 2012. See how it takes five to six years. Stocks are declining as Spain is entering a recession. That's the big headline today. But there's other headlines, like this one that makes you kind of want to feel like a cat turd in your mouth. Covered in litter with hair on it. An Australian mining billionaire, Clive Palmer, he plans to build a 21st century replica of the Titanic and sail it from England to New York. Accompanied by the Chinese Navy by the end of 2016. Like, that story has so much rub in it, just already. He has signed a first stage agreement with Nanjing, Jingling Shipyard, to build a ship as part of a planned fleet of luxury liners at the Gold Coast. His investments in golf courses, hotels, coal and iron ore mining projects, a nickel smelter, a soccer team, and a horse stud. Said so the ship will have the same dimensions as the original Titanic. A move into the cruise market, where ships typically cost $500 million plus dollars, is an ambitious step. Started with scratch with no experience. The white line, the white star line, originally commissioned the Titanic, was the largest liner in the world when built at just under 270 meters or 880 feet, 53 meters high. Everyone knows it sank. The Titanic II will be an exact replica, as exact as they can get it. 840 rooms on nine decks. There'll probably be things like TVs. You know, so it won't be an exact replica. I don't know, that story just didn't, for some reason, says, it sounds to me like the world's got a lot of money. The number of minutes of work it takes a McDonald's employee to earn enough money to buy a Big Mac is 180. In the United States, it's about 30. In Canada, it's about 24. In Latin America, if you work at McDonald's, it takes you about 160 minutes to earn enough of a wage to buy a uh, Big Mac in 2011, a worker in McDonald's in China would have to work 85 minutes to afford Big Mac. That's just compares 27 minutes to the United States. What's that tell you? Like that low low wage that's helping us in the United States? Ain't, ain't doing them all of a bucket of chicken. Like One of the things that you could say about China is like, yeah, yeah, they, they make a lot of our goods. They've taken a lot of American jobs, but we're sending them Big Macs and cigarettes. like... I think we're going to get the last laugh on this one if it's an us versus we thing. Other big stories of note this morning. Again, we're taking a look at the stock markets. Always worried about them. Trying to figure out, you know, uh, angles. One of the angles that I'm pretty confident in is that the world is becoming more desert-fied. Water is a problem. Water should be more expensive than oil, a lot of people think, because you have to have water to live off of. Type 2 diabetes is harder to treat in children ages 10 to 17 than it is in adults. That's another theme. Water, aging population, health care, population that we eat a lot of processed foods. If we want to help our economy, we could somehow ban them. But Americans don't do that because you can feed a family of four at McDonald's for ten bucks with a twenty-piece nuggets and force the kids to drink water. You can't do that. Like again, you can't you can't replicate how cheap they get their food in the United States. The fast food companies. Type two diabetes harder to treat in children's ages ten to seventeen. Isn't this tragic? I'm telling you, this is an investment. Research found that diabetes develops more rapidly in this age group. About 700 overweight and obese children and teens were given three therapies in a study. One of them was Glaxosmith Avandia. of Vandia, metformin. They made some kids use it with diet and with diet and exercise. All three had failure rates. Like we have diabetes drugs that don't even work on our fat oompa oompa children. It's a study that ran for over four years found that 52% of those using metformin alone had treatment failure, forcing them to undergo daily shots of insulin to control their blood sugar. If you've got a fat kid, don't call him big bone; Call him fat. Most children should have the body of like a Brad Pitt, you know, that crazy little diving pelvis muscular thing, which I would kill to have. Like, I'd get lip liposuction just to like... I. If I had some vanity, oh, good God, what I would do if I had vanity. So people who develop type 2 diabetes as children are more susceptible to increased blood cholesterol and triglycerides, which are risks risk factors tied to cardiovascular disease. I once dated a nurse who uh, she worked at a Catholic hospital, and Catholic hospitals do great work. And as a nurse, she she worked a night shift, and she, there was a nun there who had gone into a coma because she was diabetic. And, uh, you know, you continue to treat a, a person in coma just like you treat a human. Like, you know, you have to wash them, you have to clean them. And uh, a lot of people don't understand diabetes and cardiovascular issues kind of go hand in hand. It's not just, you know, take the shot. It's lose a foot. In this case of the nun, and I, I, I found this story to be compelling. She's soaping. She's, uh, what is the word? She's uh, washing. She's sponge uh, bathing, the nun. Her and her two other female nurses, and you know, they're lifting up the dress and you know, just cleaning, cleaning, and cleaning. And you know, you put a pan of wa- you put a pan underneath that part of the body that you're cleaning to help collect the water. And she's cleaning her foot, and this big, loud noise hits the the pan. And she looks down, and it was one of the nun's toes, just flat out fell off. And her and her two female coworkers just started laughing. It was such a weird sound and people don't know how to handle stressful situations. Diabetes is nasty. It is nasty. And it's in our children. Like, that's an investment theme. GlaxoSmithKline, Pfizer, Merck, they're gonna make money for many, 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 many years treating the diseases that we refuse to treat ourselves. We shouldn't have fat children. We shouldn't have diabetic children. In my opinion. So, I think these are investments. I think they're great long time trends. Because I don't think, you know, the, the Humanas, the Etnas, the Well Points, they all want us to, like, treat our own diseases. They want to help us treat our own diseases because then they'll cost them less. I just don't have faith that people will do it. Angry Bird Space tops 50 million downloads. Angry Bird Space, 50 million downloads. Do you see why we're becoming fat Oopaloopas? AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black. Coming up, we got some breaking news.
1: Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Dow down 23, Nasdaq down 20, S&P 500 down 6. One of the things that's out there is, uh, you know, there's always these stories. and, And stories are a great way of getting you excited about money and investing. To give you an idea, Canada's got a lot of oil. Saudi Arabia's got a lot of oil. Canada's got... Good looking women. Canada's got guys who play hockey. Canada's got those police who wear funny uniforms named Dudley. But imports of what environmentalists are calling dirty oil set to triple over the next decade. It raises concerns on the environmental impact of extracting and whether pipelines can safely transport the Canadian oil. A lot of Canada's oil in the oil sands needs a lot of refining to get to the level of where we can use it. It's called bitumen. It's a heavy tar-like oil. It needs to be heavily processed in order to be turned into lighter, easier to refine crude oil. It's so thick to make it more fluid and easier to move by pipeline. It gets diluted with natural gas liquids. The sheer amount of energy and water needed to process and extract bitumen environments, let's say, is more dangerous to move because it's corrosive to pipelines. A lot more so than the regular oil. So that's one of our damnation games. A lot of people have said that underneath the Rockies, underneath Denver, we've got a supply of oil equal to Saudi Arabia. But it's dense and unmovable. So the way you move it is you have to heat it up. So far it hasn't become all that in a bucket of chickens, shall we say. So a couple of midlife millionaires. I want to throw this out there to try to get you a little bit motivated. You're 28. You want to leave your mark on the world? You look around and you say, "Hmm. Mark Zuckerberg's too young, you know. Steve Jobs, he was doing it when he was a kid. I'm old." But there's some older entrepreneurs than you, you know. Colonel Sanders, he was 62 when he opened his first KFC. The founder of Red Bull. He took 10 years to complete his bachelor's degree and he worked on a string of ho-hum projects before launching his energy drink at 43. So he can become a midlife billionaire or millionaire. President Barack Obama. Most Americans know Obama's career in law, politics, and community organizing, but he likes to point out that he and his first lady... Struggled with student loans for 10 years. His personal finances weren't exactly stable until the mid-2000s. He's 50 now. So, you know, his annual salary, 400000 He earned $5 million in book royalties in 2010. So I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm saying there's people out there who should be able to motivate you. The co-founder and CEO of Curves... Gary Heaven. it's a workout place for, how shall we say, chunkier women who don't want guys gawking at them. You have to be willing to put security at risk in order to have potential for wealth. That's the truth. Wow. Heaven started his only woman-only gym franchise with his wife, Diana, was an immediate hit. Right now there's 10,000 plus curve fitness clubs in over 85 countries. One of the things he said that sticks out is you have to be willing to put your security at risk. A lot of young people today think, if I come up with a good idea, there's going to be venture capital. No, there's not. Venture capital is tougher today than it was 10 years ago. 10 years ago, you just had to have revenue ideas. Now you have to have earnings and income. So there's a couple other people out there. Um Sometimes it it seems almost accidental success. I think it's a lot of work. Wally Amos. You remember Amos, famous Amos cookies? He hit a big when he was 40. And for the last 35 years, he's been making famous Amos cookies and living large. Martha Stewart was in her late 30s, early 40s before she started really taking off as a brand. A lot of people really disliked her. Most people don't know that she worked on Wall Street for seven years before becoming an entrepreneur. She was a stockbroker for a small firm from 65 to 72. Took a few years off to restore her family's 19th century farmhouse in Westport, Connecticut. She started a catering business that she ran out of her home. Over the next decade, her client base grew to include high-profile corporations and celebrities. Her company hit $1 million in revenue. In 1982, when she was 41, her first book, Entertaining, was published that was soon followed by hors d'oeuvres and Weddings in 1987. So you don't have to be 25, 35 to come up with a million-dollar concept. It certainly helps, but Martha Stewart should be pretty, you know, uh, motivating for people out there. But you have to, as the guy from Curve said, you have to be able to risk your security. If you've got a job at a big corporation, say MasterCard, and you're climbing the ladder, you will hit a height where you can't go any higher. You will max out. Corporate America doesn't make millionaires. Corporate America gives great jobs, great benefits. They don't make millionaires. First quarter earnings reports have been significantly better than expected, changing topics. And that's provided really the support for a stronger stock market in the first quarter. Market focus is soon going to shift away from earnings, which could always lead to turbulence. We have over half the companies of the SP 500 have reported earnings so far, and so far, so good. Earnings are on track for a seven percent gain compared to the first quarter of 2011. That's significantly better than expectations. At the start of the quarter, we thought it was going to be one to three percent, and we know this will be the weakest quarter of the year. Quarterly earnings, and aggregate coming in ahead of expectations, it's not unusual. Wall Street tends to underpromise and overdeliver. Upod, underpromise, overdeliver. U P O D. Earnings usually end up about 3% above aggregate expectations. Individual reports reflect the overall good news. An unusually large number of companies have reported earnings above Wall Street's expectations. 70% have beaten such expectations. Tech, not surprisingly, has posted the most impressive earnings gain. Basically tied towards Apple's outsized 15% earnings growth. The big winner is industrials. They're on track for a 15 to 19% gain for the quarter. The manufacturing rebound in the United States is real, even though some numbers that came out today show a little bit of a weakening. The only other double-digit increase comes from financials. They're headed for a 10% increase. Banks needed time to clean up their balance sheets to improve profits. But time happens. It's one of the consistencies that we know. So there's significant room for further profit growth in the years ahead. I like the financials right now. Select financials, absolutely. All financials, no way. No way. But as long as we can continue to chink away, uh, uh, chip away on, on wages and new jobs, as long as those numbers continue to get a little bit better, I'm very, very comfortable with financials. Consumer discretion, consumer staples, energy and healthcare, they're all on track for increases less than 5%. There's some negative trends in materials and telecom and utilities. Financial technology and industrial have you know seen 63 percent of the companies report, and they've got the strongest earnings. What this all means is there's no doubt that earnings in aggregate are a lot better than expected. Stock market receives support from all of this. I didn't think the month of April was going to be as good as it was. I'm happy that it was. The overall stock market gains the past month have been limited. Because even though the earnings are great, some economic reports have started to come up disappointing. There's a focus on Europe, and again, we saw today Spain goes into a recession. Did, we, did you think Spain would go into a recession? I did. Do you know that Europe is in problems? Most of us do. So it's not that much of a surprise. We do have a very seasonal time of the year coming up that it's problematic. We know the sell in May and go away mentality could increase because we know the earnings are going to be in the back half of the year. We're comfortable with that. We know the Apple TV back half of the year. iPhone 5 back half of the year. So the, some strong stories are coming. What do we do for the next two, three months? I want to go to Vegas. I want to go to LA. I want to go to Portland. I want to sit by pool sides. My focus isn't necessarily on the stock market in the next three months, it's kind of on summer. I remain very bullish on stocks. I feel very comfortable with the high earnings yield compared to bonds. I feel bad for senior citizens who want high-yielding bonds. I feel bad for sen- senior citizens who want a high-yielding CD. Like That concept is foreign to people in their 20s. If you're in your 30s or 40s, you remember CDs, certificates of deposit yielding Four, five, six, seven percent. Like you used to be able to park your money in a bank and get a pretty good return. That feels like a lifetime ago. So big news this morning, Microsoft is investing in Barnes and Noble Nook, three hundred million dollars in the digital book unit. The seventeen point six percent stake puts the value of the business at about one point seven billion dollars. Huge winner. Today, huge winner. Barnes and Noble up 60 plus percent. And again, it, it shows you Android's got their reading devices with Google. Apple's got their reading devices. Amazon's got their reading devices. Microsoft just bought Influence into a reading device. I don't have a Nook or a Kindle. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, poke, poke. poke. If anyone wants to get me a Nook or Kindle, hint, hint, wink, nudge, nudge, nudge poke, 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 I'll do drinks with you. I don't really want it though. Like, I don't really need another wired powered device I'm trying to simplify my life not complicate my life so Microsoft last year sued Barnes Noble the manufacturer of the Nook charging the device infringed on its patents so Microsoft has enough money to buy influence even when they don't like you AM 1220 KDOW you're listening to Rob Black and your money I'm Rob Black talking all things financial take a break here I'll be right back
0: It's easy when you're young And you
1: still want it so badly And I feel my heart Call Rob Black now 800-516-1220 That's 800-516-1220 Now, back to Rob Black and your money
2: On AM 1220 KDOW Welcome back again, Rob Black and your money I'm Rob Black I still believe a college degree is important and necessary for career advancement. I think career advancement is necessary for wage inflation and skill sets that can't be replaced. So if you get a bioscience psychology degree, you might not be working in the bioscience psychology field, but it shows employers that you know how to start and finish projects. In the United States, we've got some problems. Quality and usefulness of education is being ignored by a lot of people. If you have children, the idea of putting your child through a public school, it's kind of scary. It isn't a fact that more education means better jobs or a better workforce. Too many kids are majoring in sociology and other useless fields when they don't equate to any measurable economic benefit. They gloss over the fact that many people choose to go to college and rack up debt when many of them would be better served to you know, go to a professional school or focus in on what they want to do with their careers. What stinks is 18-year-old kids typically aren't mentally prepared to decide what their futures are, and they see most of their futures like on television. They don't see the depth of fields and depths of jobs out there. One of the best things you can do is take your kids to work, let them see what, you know. The difference between a secretary, admin assistant. Difference between HR. You know, in a rant against American kids. It's we're not educating them enough. The prior generation, baby boomers, were overeducated on some levels. Agricultural science, engineers, medical science. We ignore these in the media. Software development programming. It's not taught in school in most programming. You know, trying to keep up with new developed platforms. I remember uh, as a kid taking a a basic COBOL class. The skills that are out there, we're not teaching them. It's the geeks and the nerds that are taking them. If that makes any sense. Commerce Department issued its annual benchmark revisions to retail sales this morning. A little bit better than expected. Goldman Sachs' Jim O'Neill, the analyst who coined the term BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, and China, trying to make it easy for us to digest those fast growing economies. He's been approached by Britain's finance ministry as a possible candidate to be the next governor of the Bank of England. We're going to hear a lot about fiscal austerity and tough labor reforms. They've failed to create jobs, leading to an alarming situation in the global employment market that shows no signs of recovering. GlaxoSmithKline, they did an offer for $2.6 billion to the human genome sciences. Does it undervalue the company? All very good questions. Let's take a look at uh, some of the other issues that are out there. Let's take a look at the market numbers. Dirty oil in the United States set to triple, which means good things for refiners. Dow's down 31, the NASDAQ's down 19, the SP 500's down 7. U.S. spending slows while income rises. Pretty good set of numbers because some of the spending numbers were revised higher for the previous month. Gold is set for its largest rally since January. Gold climbed for a fifth day, but it's trading a little bit lower today, so it's not closed out yet. Spot gold was a little changed. So the whole Spanish economy, fourth biggest in the Euro region, shrinking its economy, going into... Deficit contraction has had some people say, Let's go for some safe haven assets. Dell's out there this morning saying their XPS 13 Ultra book is selling well above expectations. That's like saying, you know, uh, I don't know, like this horrible cancer that's killing me is getting a little bit better in my arm. It's, we can't build enough of them fast enough, so says Michael Dell. It's a 999 laptop. It was announced in January. Sales are typically right now three times better than expected. They're saying. It weighs three pounds. It's aimed at taking on Apple's MacBook Air. Driven by a microprocessor by Intel and other PC makers, they're trying to get a big push into ultrabooks right now. Some you know case design, some flash memory use, some solid state drives versus traditional disk drives. Trying to keep the. Profile slim and sleek. Another little story that's kind of getting out there today is uh, Bernie Madoff and the cost of helping the people that were swindled get their money back. The costs are surpassing victim payouts. The strategy is failing. For more than three years after the epic swindle collapsed, the trustee responsible for liquidating the firm has paid investors back about $330 million, holding back about $2.3 billion in customer accounts. About $6.4 billion of uh, that has won in settlements with former Madoff investors. It's being challenged in court. It's unavailable for disbursement. Claim prices are slumping. They peaked at about $0.70 cents on the dollar. Now they're at about $0.50 cents on the dollar. The biggest mistake ma- people made with Bernie Madoff is that they gave him money. If you ever work with a financial expert, the account stays in your name. You never title any account in their names. Story that's out there this morning, Annaly Capital Management, their big real estate investment trust, their CEO was paid $35 million last year, more than the CEOs of the six largest U.S. banks, JP Morgan, Jamie Dimon, and Goldman Sachs, Lloyd Blankfein. More than double their average compensation. So the bounty underscores the growing influence of real estate investment trusts that buy U.S. home loan debt, mostly with borrowed money that cost almost nothing as the Federal Reserve has kept interest rates incredibly low. So Annaly is a, government-backed mortgage security company. It's a 15-year-old company. Recently more than doubled their assets over the last four years. It's a way of investing in real estate without taking on the leverage. And that's a good thing. So the burger rise before taking action on any stocks mentioned. You yeah, to Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. If you want me to talk about something, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Did you know that gold is so pliable that you can make it into a sewing thread? An ounce of gold can be stretched over 50 miles. You could eat gold. AM 1220, KDOW.
1: news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220
2: KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. In the last hour, I finished with the concept of Annaly Mortgage, and it's a REIT company, and I don't think a lot of people really know what REITs are. I do not like private REITs. I find that they can be abused. I like publicly traded REITs. What's that mean? A REIT is a real estate investment trust. They were founded, starting back in the 1960s. I truly believe they were started as a way for wealthy people to continue to stay wealthy. Our Congress basically came up with a rule that said, a company can be called a publicly traded REIT. They don't have to pay taxes. It's a real estate investment trust. So it's a trust, which you understand helps shield taxes. And it's real estate, real estate investments. I think the biggest mistake people make is they try to go out and buy individual real estate themselves. Not knowing that leverage can backfire and and make you bankrupt. Make you poor. Make you chapter seven. Take away a whole lifetime of earnings. REITs give you the same upside that real estate does. But instead of being leveraged, instead of owing money, you own. You buy a hundred shares of a REIT, you own it. It's one of the best investment tools out there, in my opinion. Now again, as an artist, I know you say, what sort of artist are you. Are you a writer? No, no, no. Are you a singer? No, no, no. I am a dancer. As an artist, you have only so many tools in learning how to use them. Is important as an investor. I believe it's more of an art than a science. At times, you really got to learn your tools well. I like REITs, 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 and my tummy, tummy, tummy. Love, love REITs. REITs, small cap stocks, big cap stocks, mid cap stocks, international stocks. Those are the five core that I, I believe in. After that, I think you start getting a little bit too specific, which is okay. But as an artist, those are the only five tools you have to have to create wealth. Time and accumulation of assets equals wealth. doesn't really, but in my world it does. So REITs, Real Estate Investment Trusts, they've averaged better returns in the real estate market over the last 40 years. That's worthy of note, isn't it? You have to, as an investor, learn what I would refer to as maxims. I think you'll become a better investor if you can put things in really simple terms. There's no free lunch, according to Milton Friedman. If anyone wants a free lunch, contact me. If you're really good looking... If you're missing teeth, if I can't use you for my media stories, I don't. I'm not buying you lunch. So, there's no free income either. There's no free lunch. There's no free income. The essentials of life are cheap. The luxuries are expensive. We could all cut our expenses if we want to and save more. Whether it's cable TV choosing Apple TV over Comcast. If I was 20-something, 30-something, and I had a loved one who I loved, I would make some rules. You get one night of TV, I get one night of TV, five nights we work together. Maybe we're at the gym, maybe we're drawing each other. You gotta have it. Like, the simple things are what you need. I think a bad product is always a bad deal. That's why I don't like private REITs. Don't buy a car or appliance with a poor service record. Don't buy an investment with a poor service record. Don't buy a house with a cracked foundation. It will fall down. A bad product is always bad deal. A good product can be a bad deal if the price is wrong. How do you know a good price? Shop around and be willing to walk away from any deal. Another maxim that I live by, and something that I would want my kids to know, as an investor, have maxims that you believe in and maxims that you want to pass on to your kid. Like, for instance, the purpose of insurance is to protect against financial disaster. Any loss that is a non-financial cannot be remedied by insurance. Any loss that is not a disaster doesn't require insurance. Why are we insuring our investments with ridiculous products like annuities? Not all annuities are bad, but any loss that is not a disaster does not require insurance. If I were to lose my TV, I'd be fine with it. The only electronic gadget that I insure now, iPads, is something that could fall and break. Something that does fall and break. And notebook computers. Financial products are simply agreements written on paper. These are things that I believe in. Although written in English, they are written by lawyers and designed so that you won't read them. Read them anyway. Read them again and again and again until you understand them. So when someone sells you a private REIT, when someone sells you an annuity, read the contract. Find out how much the fees are. Find out how much the commissions are. Find how much the recurring fees are. Most people don't read the price of borrowing money is interest and worry. Keep all borrowing below the worry point and don't borrow to buy things that depreciate. You lose on both ends. So when you borrow to buy a car, let's say it's a $60,000 BMW, and you're borrowing an 8%, price of borrowing money is interest and worry. Can you pay it back? But also the car starts to depreciate and you have a loan on it. Buying a used car is, is pretty practical. Don't rely on appreciation of an asset. If prices are too high, wait. If it's too high for everyone else as well, they'll realize it in due time. That's what happened in the housing bubble. Public tends to extrapolate trends long after the financial justification has gone. Houses don't make you money. Wake up, America. Houses don't make you money. Any sort of agreement has two parties. The other person will be working for himself. Figure out whether he's working for you or not. Always check a level deeper and work and follow up. To me, if it's complicated, it's a bad deal. If you don't understand it, it's a bad deal. Don't buy any product or service from someone who can't explain or won't explain in terms you understand. Assumptions you make consciously won't hurt you. Assumptions you take for granted which everyone knows will kill you. Always check the assumption behind the assumption you make. I can't tell you how many people hurt themselves with just their own basic knowledge. I get emails every day, rob at robblack.com, rob at Like People think of inflation as prices going up. It's not. It's the value of money going down. People don't know what inflation is. Don't count on Social Security. The benefits you receive will be small. Very, very small fraction of what your grandparents now receive. Don't confuse wealth with the current price of an asset. People can get carried away. Prices can go up. Prices can go down. Don't confuse income and wealth. Income can end with dismissal notice or change in interest rates. Only the Ten Commandments were written in stone. Everything else, not. All other laws are... At the whim of politicians We don't know what income and taxes are going to be like In retirement When you change the rules a little You change the game a lot You have to pay attention to Congress Convenience is usually expensive But ignorance is deadly I know people that have gone bankrupt Because they're ignorant of what could Potentially go wrong They borrowed money to borrow more money When you put it in terms like that It shows you how crazy we are AM 1220
1: you're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM twelve twenty KDOW
2: Little sad news this weekend the saxophone player for the Killers committed suicide this is the Killers probably my favorite band I know I sound like I'm 16 years old when I say that and every 10 years I think you should have a different favorite band if not sooner my favorite part of the song the hook So Las Vegas band, guy has a gun, shoots himself. He was just the touring saxophone player, so he wasn't a full member of the band. But still, sad. Early 30s. What can drive someone in their early 30s to put a gun to their head and pull the trigger? Drugs and alcohol. Drugs and alcohol are bad. You should have a rule no more than three days in a row of alcohol. Another rule that you should have is absolutely no drugs until you finish all the vegetables on your plate. That was a rule in our family. My parents were kind of liberal, if you know what I'm saying. But we learned to eat vegetables. Because, gosh darn it, we wanted our amphetamines. Our barbiturates. What are amphetamines and barbiturates? like, all we know now is crack, coke, marijuana. Like, we know the basics. We don't even know our, our, our terms anymore. I need a sleeping pill. I need two of them. Average retail price in Europe on gasoline. You think it's tough here. You know what the average retail price of gasoline is in Europe. Take a guess. I'll give you a 2nd Eight forty-four a gallon. Woo! And they've got a consumer problem that ain't going to get better. Germany, France, UK, Greece, Italy, and Spain. They're all at records on gas prices. The cost of gasoline the pump. In the continent, more than double U.S. levels. It's made a fresh high every week since January 13th. Policymakers are confronted with an oil price increase that threatens to con- curb consumers' spending power at a time when at least six of 17 Euro nations are in recession. The continent, as they are like to know, it's like San Francisco is known as the city. If you're going to the city, you know, you know where you're going. San Francisco is kind of snobby elitist. Like, they don't call it frisco don't call it sam's clam disco please call it the city Mm, we're the city so anyway um it's a pretty vicious cycle it's a major negative for the growth story on top of so many negatives right now in europe european central bank president mario draghi love that last name draghi like you kind of expect to see him in like a rocky movie he said on April 4th that euro area inflation will stay above 2% this year, with upside risks stemming from higher than expected oil prices. Italy's inflation rate is at a six month high of 3.8%. Consumer confidence in the country plunged to the lowest level since 1996 as monkeys. cost cutting measures deepen the recession that started in the fourth quarter. Some people don't think you can cut your way to an economic expansion. In a U.S. presidential election year, Gasoline has become a major issue for politicians. You know, fortunately for the United States is we have seen a lot of manufacturing jobs overseas. A lot of what was tied towards gasoline and oil prices, we no longer do. I know that's kind of a counterintuitive thought, but it's true. Hmm. What are the big stories we have to talk about? Business activity in the United States expanded at the slowest pace since November two thousand nine consumer spending rose. But speaking first of business activity in the United States, the ISM, the Institute for Supply Management, they said the barometer decreased to a 56.2 reading. Any number over 50 is still an economy that's in expansion. But a slowdown in the United States in demand may prompt companies in the U.S. to limit the rate of inventory accumulation. You kind of want some low levels of inventory because ultimately that lets corporations manage their expenses. But it also means down the road we're going to put people back to work. So inventory builds, I look at it as negative. We got too many things on the shelves that, that could go down in prices, hurt the manufacturer. Inventory builds in real estate, too many houses on the market. A couple other angles here. Thin inventory means prices can go up. Caterpillar, the world's largest maker of construction mining equipment, is amongst companies seeing gains in demand. It's an Illinois-based company. Last week, they raised their earnings forecast and posted its first quarter profit that topped expectations. So manufacturing in the United States is doing okay. Speaking about a little bit about spending. Oh, and for the record, Occupy Wall Street is supposed to have a massive disruption on May 1st. I don't know what that means. Consumer spending in the United States climbed in March after the biggest gain since August 2009. Incomes picked up, indicating the biggest part of the economy is going to help sustain the expansion. Household purchases, which account for about 70% of the economy, increased a percent after revised 9% gain the prior month. That was stronger than first reported. A job market that's on the mend and warmer weather really helped our economy. When it's cold and icy, people tend to stay in their homes. couple other stories that we have to hit upon let's take a look at the market numbers see where we are for the day the dow is down 41 the nasdaq down 17 the s&p 500 down six wall street is slipping today in a four-day run last week we had a crazy up market it was nice and it was tied towards better than expected earnings not getting so much of that today consumer spendings in the news, Treasuries in the news, Japan and the United States talking in the news. What's that all about? So domestic growth increased 2.2 percent in the first quarter of 2012, reinforcing the strong probability that the United States economy is going to continue to grow at a sub-trend, less than two and a half percent rate. Real final sales remained weak, slightly above 1.1 percent reading, given a 1.6 increase during the fourth quarter. Inventories continue to contribute A disproportionate share of growth Keep in mind, inventory is not spent There's some pent-up demand For some durable goods Autos in particular Primary driver of growth Spending on durables Advanced about 15.3% And outlays on motor vehicles Increased 28.7% So most of what I'm saying Is pretty positive Back to the Occupy Wall Street Disruption coming up Please don't mess up Cinco de Mayo, guys It's my favorite holiday of of holidays, where if you ask the average Mexican citizen what Cinco de Mayo means, they have no clue. If you ask the average American, it's something about Mexico's liberation. If you ask me, it's about beer companies inventing a holiday. Occupy Wall Street demonstrators plan marches across the globe tomorrow, calling attention to what they say are abuses of power and wealth. Organizers say they hope the coordinated events will make a spring resurgence on the movement after a quiet winter. Calls for a general strike with no work, no school, no banking, no shopping. Has sprung up on websites in Toronto, Barcelona, London, Kuala Lumpur, Sydney, amongst hundreds of cities in North America, Europe, and Asia. So, scores of labor organizations will help observe and join in. It's traditionally recognized as International Workers' Day. May 1st, International Workers' Day. U.S. and China are preparing some talks. Europe trying to restore some calm. Run! Run! Panic! Fire! AM 1220, KDOW, I'm Rob Black. You're listening to Rob Black and your money.
1: Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: Something coming up this week on Friday. The jobs data. First Friday of the month. Following the disappointing creation of just 121,000 private sector jobs in March. Investors are going to be looking for April non-farm payroll to report. Try to get to indicate whether the pace of hiring has resumed or not. There's been deceleration of growth to 2.2% in the first three months of 2012, and the general loss of momentum suggests recently that investors are likely bracing for another mild employment report. Obama would be so lucky if the numbers surprised on the upside. Generally strong pace of spending in the first quarter was driven by better employment income and demand for durable goods. Investors are going to look pretty hard. Like, we're now at not a a total nitty-gritty angle, but close. Almost two decades after advising the U.S. to sell floating-rate notes to cut debt expensive, Campbell Harvey says that starting to issue the securities now would be a costly mistake for American taxpayers. In an environment with historically low interest rates, the Treasury should avoid floating-rate debt as it introduces risk. The administration, President Barack Obama, forecast the budget deficits could going to exceed $1 trillion for the fourth year in a row. Isn't that sad? America has already started coming up with, Congress is starting to work on, what if we can't continue to fund our crazy spending? Our deficit's a trillion dollars, four straight years in a row. Interest expense was 3% of GDP in fiscal 2011, compared with 4.1% in 1999, in large part. We're borrowing money at low cost. But that's when the United States also was running surpluses. Floating rate notes may increase the supply of the safest short-term investments in the face of record demand by money market funds and investors. Securities may appeal to investors wary that four years of Federal Reserve monetary stimulus will spark inflation and cause the central bank to lift short-term rates even though policymakers have promised to keep their borrowing rates at zero through 2014. So this week, if you're looking at the calendar, there's going to be a couple Fed presidents today giving speeches. Dallas Federal Reserve President Richard Fisher, Philadelphia Fed President Charles Plosser, Minneapolis Fed President Narana Kajaraka, San Francisco Fed President John Williams, all going to give speeches today. And typically, the Federal Reserve uses these speeches as a way of like saying, let's see what the U.S. media responds to our calls on housing, our calls on jobs our calls on inflation so at these conferences they give a lot of little trial balloons the los angeles baseball team known as the dodgers is set to complete its sale of a group led by former basketball star magic johnson in exit bankruptcy as early as today not really paying attention to the baseball season yet still mourning the loss of hockey season enjoying what hockey's there i was watching the phoenix coyotes game the other night and you gotta love this. In Phoenix, they're wearing all white. You look at the crowd, it's all white. And then in the front row, in one of the face offs, you're watching the two players like dig at each other, go at the puck, and you look up and you see Darth Vader. I absolutely love that. Someone who has the cojones to like break the trend, but also to make me laugh. You're watching hockey, you're seeing all these fans dressed in white, and then Sure enough, you see Darth Vader slamming on the boards. Darth Vader loves arc. Darth Vader was tied towards the analogy that machinery takes away the soul. That our business and our manufacturing economies create soulless, weak, anemic humans. I know you're saying, are you making that up? I don't think so. Anyhow, you Berkshire Hathaway's got an annual meeting on Friday this week. The U.S. Postal Service, they're going to give an update on the agency's financial condition. $14.1 billion loss this year. So there's some other stories. You know, French President Nicolas Sarkozy on Wednesday. And a social challenger face-off in the only head-to-head debate before the election on Sunday, May 6. Typically, you kind of want the known evil versus the unknown evil. Sarkozy, no one really thinks is all that credible as a leader. But do we want a socialist in there who's going to you know, fight what Europe and uh, Germany are trying to achieve? So Tuesday, we get the Occupy Wall Street movement staging May Day protests. We also get the world's largest independent oil refiner, Phillips, They're going to start trading on the New York Stock Exchange. We've got to get some interesting stuff this week. Nothing like jumping out of the, your your seat, you know, cheering or anything like that. I want to talk a little Taylor rule. There's a big debate about the Taylor rule and what the Fed should do, given jobs and the sluggish GDP. A lot of ta- you know Most Taylor rules suggest that the Fed should have an interest rate of about zero. That means by the time of negative interest rates suggested by policy rules is over, which means no further quantitative easing. But if the economy continues to improve, then the big question is, what's next from the Federal Reserve? The Federal Reserve in general is now following a bit more cautious approach than it did during the crisis. Where do we see unemployment going? The unemployment rate probably not going to continue to fall as it did over the last couple of months. So we have to go down to, you know, 7%, a bit below 8% by the end of the year. In a best case scenario. Do we have the same optimism now for 2013? 2013 is going to be really Interesting. We're talking about more than $500 billion in provisions that are expiring at the end of the year. We're talking about massive tax cuts being taken back by our government. Taking money away from us and putting it in government coffers. Of, again, they got a lot of debt. They're not paying it off. If they were paying it off, I think we'd all go, take whatever you want from my paycheck. But the government doesn't do that. They just continue to find new ways of spending money. Should we be distracted by the European crisis right now? Can we just look at the U.S. economy? You know, I I think we all know what's going on in Europe. I don't think the U.S. is being slowed down in any way, shape, or form by Europe. So I feel comfortable. I'm not cocky. I'm not arrogant. But I do feel comfortable with what we're seeing out there. Hopefully you do as well. Home ownership rate in the U.S. falls to its lowest level since 1997. On one hand, this is really good. Because at some point in time, we're going to formate more households. I just made a word up, I think, formate. Go with it. It's not as good as murder-related, but it's a good word. But the U.S. home ownership rate fell to its lowest level in 15 years. In the first quarter, as borrowers lost homes to foreclosure and tight inventory kept buyers off the market. The rate dropped to 65.4% from 66% in the fourth quarter. We're gonna, at some point in time, put on a bottom of, ho- of formating homes. I'm gonna use it till it sticks. Mounting foreclosures are displacing borrowers. Falling home ownership has fueled demand for rentals. The US apartment vacancy rates fell to 4.9% in the first quarter, 11 year low. The ownership rate may decline further and home repossessions may increase this year as lenders step up foreclosures. Now, how low is too low? The homeownership rate may fall below 64% by end of 2015 and stay there for years. It'll be lower by 2017. It'll be lower in 2020. About 6 million homeowners will lose their property in the next five years because of inability to pay. 6 million people still to come, creating 4 million new rental households. The homeownership rate rose to a record in 2004 when President George W. Bush was running for re-election. He called for the expanding home loan availability to create an ownership society. Republicans and Democrats are both to blame for this housing mess that we got into. I highly blame the politicians and then the banks. But mostly I blame the individuals who bought more home than they could afford, didn't read the papers they were signing, didn't understand the amount of money they were borrowing, just assumed that home prices would continue to go up. So we're at 65.4%. Not 100% of America is meant to own homes. It's somewhere in the mid to low 60s. Mid to high 60s. So falling home ownership fueled demand for rentals. So now's a good time to be a landlord. I don't think it's the greatest time to be a landlord, but it's a good time to be a landlord. I don't like being a landlord. I've I've said that numerous times on this show. I probably don't need to mention it again and again and again. So Apple's getting a little heat today. There's a big story about them and... uh, uh, dodging taxes i don't know what to say to that like i don't have a lot of comment on that is i guess what i'm getting at a couple other big stories Hmm. why are some people trustworthy and generous while others cheat and are cold-hearted it's a good question Could a single molecule, one chemical substance, lie at the very center of our moral lives? We're finding out more and more, so with research, that a chemical messenger called oxytoxin accounts for why some people give freely of themselves and others cold-hearted louts. Why some people cheat and steal and others you can trust with your life. Why some husbands are more faithful than others and why women tend to be nicer and more generous than men. In our blood and in our brain, oxytoxin. Appears to be the chemical elixir that creates bonds of trust, not just in our intimate relationships, but also in our business dealings, in politics, and society at large. I do love the 21st century. Like, I'm so gonna miss it when I'm dead. I hope, like, uh, I I hope there's a heaven, like, and I hope that I can get to watch technology continue to do good things. You're yeah, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. You can find me at Twitter. And YouTube, Rob Black Show. Twitter and YouTube, Rob Black Show. I love this song. It's called Imagine Dragons. It's time. Go to YouTube, Imagine Dragons. There's an acoustic version of the song, and then there's this produced version. They're going to be in San Francisco, not this Tuesday, but the following Tuesday. I'd like to go to the show at The Independent. Maybe I'll meet you there. AM 1220, KDOW. Market Minute.
1: Visit Rob Black online at RobBlack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220
2: KDOW. Welcome back again. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, in more. Always stop and ask yourself questions about investing in relationships. I think the, the, the necessities in life are pretty cheap. I think the luxuries are pretty expensive. Can you get by on the necessities? Billionaire Clive Palmer plans to build a 21st century replica of the Titanic and sail it from England to New York. I almost want to call on the world to say this is a dumb idea. We don't really need this. But somehow... I don't think that call is going to work. The SP 500 is poised to halt a four month advance, poised to snap four up months. Data showed business activity expanded at the slowest pace since November 2009, and Spain's economy entered into a recession, which a lot of people will probably say, no, da. We knew that. Commodity, industrial, and financial shares had the biggest losses in the SP 500. Humana down 6.5% as profit, the provider of U.S.-backed Medicare insurance, missed analyst expectations. The NYSE Euronext slumped 4.9% after reporting a 44% drop in earnings. Barnes & Noble soared 62% this morning after Microsoft said it would invest $300 million in a venture with the bookstore chain. So some people are seeing a risk, a move out of risk assets. Should you try to go with them and do that? Or should you say, you know what? I work for MasterCard. I work for Verifone. My goal is to continue to accumulate assets and not necessarily jump in and out of stocks. Gin Probe today, up 20% roughly. Hologic, a maker of diagnostic medical and surgical devices, agreed to buy the company for about $3.7 billion in cash and to help expand its test for sexually transmitted diseases. Harmon International, maker of audio equipment, up 10%. Some of their earnings excluding some items, better than expected. Sunoco up 20%. It's a refinery. They agreed to be acquired for $5.3 billion in cash and shares by Energy Transfer Partners. Analysts predict U.S. shares will rise enough this year to boost the S&P 500 to a record, but maybe not this quarter. The financial strength of corporate America is stronger than people expect. If you look at the earnings, we had a very good first quarter. Spanish real GDP fell three-tenths of a percent. That was the second straight decline of that magnitude. It's not a sharp decline, but it is still technically a recession. Spain needs economic growth to help address their dire financial situation. However, the stagnant economy is a problem for them. A continuation of the economic trend from the prior quarter shouldn't have come as any surprise. Global financial markets are obsessed with all things Spanish. And a Spanish recession is not a compelling headline. It's a bad headline. Lowe's and Watson Pharmaceuticals beat expectations. Humana, Lyndell, and Tenenco missed. These aren't grabbing the attention the way like Apple and Citigroup did. These aren't big headlines. March personal income rose four-tenths of percent. March personal spending rose two-tenths of percent. Friday, we get the employment numbers out of the United States. It's going to be a big one. It's one of the things that's going to drive us down the road and or not. Coke is in talks to buy Monster Energy drinks at a huge $12 billion price. The soft drink is dying. The Monster drinks, the rock stars, they're probably not that much better for you. They still contain a lot of chemicals. I gave up Diet Coke last year. I'm going to tell you, I feel as if a chemical haze left my body almost within a week. I know you're saying a chemical haze. like I'm telling you, they, I don't know what they're putting into soda. But I think it's a mind-controlling substance that's going to be triggered on a certain date. Or maybe it's like a a bug that they're putting in her body that's going to incubate into the larva stage and and eat her brains or something. I don't know. Paying more to fly in the United States, Department of Transportation says fourth-quarter domestic airfares jump 10% year-over-year. That's inflationary. One of the interesting tussles that we see going on right now is over social media dominance. The cola wars are escal- escalating right now. Pepsi and Coke. Pepsi Pulse, a pop culture destination on pepsi.com, aims to be a major player in conversations on Facebook, Twitter, and other sites, like Pinterest. Rival Coca-Cola is partnering with social media- music site Spotify to add fizz to its own pop line online presence. Pepsi and Coke are amongst the multitude of companies buying into social media's ability to strengthen their brands, Customers are 55% more likely to recall ads that include social media components than non-social ads. Consumers are incredibly empowered, and what used to work to get their attention now needs a little bit more thoughtfulness. Pepsi Pulse is hosting a real-time top 10 pop culture ranking. Regular chances for consumers to connect with celebrities like singer Nicki Minaj. She might urge fans to share pictures of their alter egos to create an online photo album using the twitter hashtags live for now and now pepsi's new ads you know bring celebrity challenges to it coke's looking spotify to help build its brand in the music program which last year included a 24-hour interactive studio session so there's there's some pretty good stories out there let's take a look at market numbers we've got the dow down Thirty-three. The Nasdaq down seventeen. The S&P 500 down six. Angry Bird maker hunting for acquisition, so says the CEO. U.S. spending slows while income rises. Data harvesting at Google, not abnormal. One of the things that we all long for is being wealthier and smarter than our parents. We grew up looking at their standard of living and saying we kind of want that. I think one of the things that you need to do, this is going to sound like an odd concept, but you got to learn to say no to yourself at least once a day when it comes to impulsive buys and learning how to understand if you can afford it and if you deserve it. If you can buy used or cheap clothes because expensive clothes do not always translate into better quality. Wash your garments in cold water. They'll last longer. Take up hobbies that don't cost money, Like gardening. Serve cheap discount wine at parties and don't buy imported wines. Imported wines typically cost 50% more. Buy groceries online or in bulk and buy a slow cooker to prepare meals. Forget new, buy you, stop watching TV. Biker scores do matter. Things to start thinking about. You're listening to me, Rob Black, on AM 1220, KDW.